everybody. Absolutely fantastic episode of the morning show today. We have Raul Paul, the Raul Paul of Real Vision, ex-Goldman, macro analyst and trader. It's an electric conversation. You do not want to miss this one. He has absolutely fantastic takes on where we're at in the crypto cycle, what the rest of 2023 could look like from a macro perspective, what the Fed will do next, how the market will react, and everything in between. We talk about real estate. We talk about NFTs. He's actually surprisingly knowledgeable about NFTs. I did not know he was that much in the weeds. And we talk about his platform, Real Vision. It's one of the best episodes that we've had uh, on the show, in my opinion. Definitely one of the better ones in a long time. Really hope you enjoy the show. All right, we're going to get right into it. We're going to have Raul Paul of Real Vision on the show in just a few minutes. Very, very exciting uh, day, especially for me. Raul is a major part of my Bitcoin journey. I was just telling him off air. So I'm very excited uh, to talk to him about all things Bitcoin, Ethereum, crypto, NFTs, and macro. Real quick, I want to see how we feel in post-D-Gods. Big day yesterday in the NFT space. Spencer, you were on the show yesterday morning. That was really the first inning of yesterday uh, in terms of like the response to D-Gods. Thought it would be worth covering it quickly before we actually bring Raul on. But Spencer, how are you feeling 24 hours later and given everything that kind of played out over the course of yesterday? Yeah, I mean, look, I think we said on the show yesterday, I think the art update was a little bit underwhelming. Um, people are also really skittish and the combination of those two things is kind of what played out. You know, I, I think it's it's not overly bearish though as the chart might recommend right represent is like really what happened is one dude sold an unthinkable number right one dude sold but one percent of that collection got dumped into bids yesterday and this is the challenge right we've talked about this a lot when that happens well it gets dumped into bids of people who are really excited to hold d gods not and it gets dumped in the bids of people who are going to then dump it into more bids so <laughs> they're going to have all these bids kind of tossed around right like we've got all this and so it's just going to be a thing for a while where there's going to be that sell pressure from those. You know, I think it's really tough in this market to ship anything that moves price positively. Um, that being said, even in the last market, I'm not sure that this would have been a positively received announcement. I just think like, you know, the odds was the only NFT in its price tier. And that's a tough thing to maintain. Now, there was the opportunity for them to price into the old Azuki price here, which would have been good for <clears throat> NFTs overall, but they just didn't do it, right? And, and we just kind of have to come to... Now, you know what did run yesterday like a motherfucker? What? Sproto Gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> they Jesus. finally broke one ETH. And I know... Do you have I those? Actually, I had... Not anymore. So I had them all listed because I was like, you know what? This isn't going to, I had always been like, this is going to break an ETH. And I had a bunch and I listed them all. And then they ran to an ETH and they all just sold at like 0.8. So I left like 0.2 on the table each. Good job. And I'm, I woke up and I was like, ah, like, no. Good job. Right. Good job. Um, oh no, I made money. I made a winning trade. What a disaster. This is a train wreck of it, situation. It is. In all seriousness, Spencer, in this market, being that your job is to get make NFT profits, that's literally your profession. Uh, I'd imagine any W's are, should be celebrated. Like you're you're acting like kind of cool about it, but I I kind of feel like inside you're like W's. To be clear, our W was like point one point two ETH on each. Oh, okay. It wasn't, it wasn't a huge W, right? Um. Also, 
I, I, the timing of the joke isn't really here, but <laughs> you're like, your job is to make profit out of cheese. I was going to be like, I'm probably unemployed soon. And like, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. But yeah, no, we're, we're making some W's. But yeah, um, yeah I think it, like I, I bring that up as a specific example of something I said yesterday, which is that like the mimetic thing feels easier to pull off than the like value roadmap-y thing. Even though D-Gods doesn't really have a roadmap, like, I don't know. It just seems tough. Well, real I quick. Feel, I, I feel like your, your job also... Oh, well, I was going to throw to you, Nick. Uh, I was going to see what your perspective was, you know, on what Spencer just commented, read D-Gods, and just 24 hours later, because again, it was the very first inning of yesterday when we talked about it. By the evening, I feel like it was a totally different situation with hundreds of D-Gods being sold into bids. Then we do have to get to the weather report. Then we, we have Raul that we're going to have an extended interview with. But anyway, Nick, please go ahead. The first thing I was going to say is Spencer described his job as making profits from uh, from NFTs. I think his job is to just hold ETH basically and uh, do nothing, and then uh, have his his team take care take care of everything else. Uh, his expanding team. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, D gods, I mean, yeah, I think Spencer actually accurately captured it. I was texting you yesterday, though, being like, at some point, you got like, this is a buy, I guess. I, I don't, I've never held D gods. That's never been a position that I've had. I did have a Ute. Um, and I think, honestly, Ute seem to have, um, I, I don't know, I, I get more uh, community vibe from uh, Utes than I actually do from uh, D Gods, although I'm not in their Discord. I don't know a lot about their uh, community, so it's very difficult for me to make any sort of assessment. The, re the reality is, Frank was out suggesting that it was a fumble. Uh, the market didn't react well. The person dumped a bunch of them, but like that's fully out of his control. I think one of the things that's like really challenging in the NFT space. You have limited control over the price action of NFTs, no matter what you do. And due to that, like you can only control the things that you can control. If you really want, I guess you could cough up money and control your own floor, which is manipulation. But I mean, that is a an option uh, in the realm of possibilities. Um, but outside of that, there's no way to like directly control that. Other, to uh, other than delivering things that people are excited about. But I don't know that there's been anything in the history of NFTs that anybody's been excited about other than uh, I feel like price go apes up. for a while what was, uh, was delivering it. Well, yeah, but price go up is, again, out of the control. I'm talking about actual deliverables from teams. I think only like um, the mutant serums were huge. The mutants were big. Uh, I don't know what the dogs were, uh, uh, something that people were enthusiastic about. Um, I'm trying to think what else there's been in this space that people have been excited about, period, in the delivery of the history of NFTs. Like, what, like I, I literally can't come the up Nike with... The Nike acquisition? Of yeah, that was huge. Okay, yeah. yeah that was that was that's probably yeah. the actual biggest one. All the stuff that you just mentioned, Nick, is just more Other NFTs. Side. Uh, other side i know it's more more nfts no, but there was a lot of excitement around that at, at the launch there was but a lot of people got wrecked and and in fact i feel like that was the like uh that was the mass 
consumer became the exit ramp for all the holders at that point in time and all the, we'll call it sophisticated NFT traders who have been in the market for a period of time were like, oh, I made a profit. I'm getting the hell out of here. Whereas like anyone that was racing into other side got wrecked. Just like, so, and, and that was actually the big, one of the largest, like the same way that Frank's calling it a fumble, Yuga would have called that a fumble as well, I guess, uh, in terms of uh, their launch. And I feel like that was kind of the last hurrah for the NFT market was basically the other other side launch. Well, that's when literally everything crashed, including the stock market shortly thereafter. Uh, so we'll, we'll definitely dive into that. Let's go to SIG for the weather report. And then we're going to bring on very special guest, Raul Paul of, the, of Real Vision. Very exciting guest. Uh, Signal, please take it away. Yeah. Morning, guys. It's Friday. It's 11th of August. You've got total market volume coming in around 12.4 million. You've got Blur at 8.8, OpenSea at 2.6. Not much change on the leaders, obviously, uh, except for D-Gods. We'll talk about, uh, about that in a second. You've got Apes hovering around 30.9 uh, and Pudgy slight retrace down to 4.0. Over the past 24 hours, well, we're talking about D-Gods. Obviously, uh, Fang Frank faced a barrage of criticism across the community uh, and ended up apologizing, apologizing for fumbling. Longtime D Gods holder dumped over 100 PFPs, making the price retrace as low as 6 ETH before settling at 6.4 this morning. Utes dumped alongside it as well, about 20% before settling at 1.4. Over in Jack Butcher's ecosystem, while well, Jack Butcher and Jalil.eth, the infinity contract was drained after an exploit was found by hackers. Almost 40 ETH was stolen with the rest of the funds being saved by software engineer Saigar. Anyone who minted from the contract will be refunded. On to what's happening in Sketches and Collectibles and Shoes. Sketches USA has teamed up with Snoop Dogg to put out a shoe designed by the rapper. The shoes have this sort of like Air Max look and feel. They cost around $100 and are available on the Sketches US site. And then lastly, despite having technical hiccups, one of the biggest wins uh, of today and this week is DK Motion's Open Edition over on base. It has minted more than 56,000 pieces. Uh, the piece has garnered even more attention after being censored by Instagram and Twitter and received lots of support from the NFT and crypto community. It's ending in a few hours and the mint so far has raised over $1 million. Over on crypto, BTC at 29.4, Ethan 18.15, Solana at 24.5, and APA at one point all looking pretty steady. So it's back to you folks. Fantastic weather report. As usual, signal some other updates from the Nifty Daily Digest. The Daily Digest that is published from the nifty.com. Uh, we already talked about the Medici Group. Xverse, one of the leading Bitcoin wallets, announced the completion of a $5 million seed round led by Jump Crypto aimed at making Bitcoin easier to use and accessible for all. Uh, we invested in that round. So there's a little announcement of that. I'm sure they're going to be tweeting that out soon. Uh, so shout out to Xverse. Very exciting stuff. Um, I think Signal covered this, but I'll just reiterate. D-Gods shared that starting Sunday, holders will be able to update their D-God to a season three D-God in exchange for 333 dust tokens with 100% of the proceeds going to the points parlor prize pool. As of 7 a.m. Eastern time, dust is down about 24% over the last 24 hours. So those are your updates from the Nifty Daily Digest. Sign up at thenifty.com. You need an account there to claim the free NFTs that we give away on this show on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, in just a second, we'll be ready to bring on Raul Paul of Real Vision. Very exciting guest. He should be with us in just a second. And here he is, 
Here we go, live from the Cayman Islands. How's it going? GM, everyone. How are you? Doing very well. Very excited to have you. Uh, you're an NFT connoisseur. I can tell from your profile picture. You iconically changed your profile picture to a wrecked guy, uh, sending it you know, to the moon at the time. But no, Raul, in all seriousness, we're super excited to have you. I was telling everyone that you were a, uh, a major part of my Bitcoin journey. And so I want to talk about all things crypto you know, from a, a cycle and price action perspective, as well as macro. Um, I like to start with open-ended questions. You know, I'd love to know, in August 2023, rates are high. Uh, Jerome Powell seems to be looking to, you know, uh, save his legacy here and, and not have as much extreme action, um, you know, from a macro perspective. NFTs seem to be bottoming here, the, the trough of the bottom, as Crypto Kaleo, uh, who is a recent guest on the show, put it. Uh, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum are actually up big on the year. What do you make of all these different components and, and where do you think we're at here? So, look, crypto tends to be forward looking. So it follows the liquidity cycle. And the liquidity cycle is kind of how much the central banks are printing, really. And so we kind of know that as the economies slow down or rates get too high and the economy slows down, the probability going forwards of them having to cut rates goes up. Yeah. So our liquidity indicators at Global Macro Investor back in June started bottoming. And that's when I bought ETH into the, or added to my ETH into that low. And then the rest of our indicators kind of bottomed in October, just as the markets bottom. And it worked really well. And so the crypto markets have been forward looking. ETH seems to be more forward looking than, than Bitcoin right now. And so they have been rallying on liquidity conditions easing somewhat. And these are global conditions, not just the US. So we had the Bank of Japan increasing their balance sheet. We had the Bank of England and a few others here and there and other liquidity indicators doing that. So that drove that forward. NFTs are like the assets in the ETH economy. And if you think of usually assets are the last things to bottom. So the stock market usually bottoms first. So like right now in the US, the stock market bottomed in October, but the housing market's still going down, right? And we're seeing it with Rolex watches as well, because people's discretionary spending has gone down and nobody's got any capital gains from trading. Everyone's just taking losses all day. So therefore, there's little demand for NFTs. So we're in that bottoming phase for NFTs. And I've been mentioning this recently as well. And it's the lagged effect as the ETH economy starts to recover. As the ETH economy recovers, we'll see a lot more you know, activity in, in crypto. And then we'll see NFTs starting to pick up as people got money to spend on, you know, trophy assets or whatever within the within um, the ETH economy. So that's where I think we are now. My work suggests that this is only going to accelerate, even though today, like rates are really keep going up at the moment. And while the Fed look like they're pretty much done, I mean, inflation keeps falling and everyone's kind of lost sight of that. But I think the bond market's having to suffer from too much issuance of new bonds because the government's having to pay the interest on the debt and the interest rate has gone up so much that they generate they have to sell more and more bonds and the bond market doesn't like that at all you know you'd see the same in crypto or anything else when there's excess supply the price collapses so that's what's going on right now which i think only exacerbates the chance that things get worse and therefore perversely things get better for the markets because they look forwards to oh well if things are really shit now they're going to have to start cutting rates and they're going to have to start doing quantitative easing next year. Love the detail. Nick, it looked like you, did you have something to ask Raul or some commentary? 
I, I've, I have a question about the market, but before I ask you about the market, is that a barbershop chair behind you? <laughs> it is a 1950s barbershop chair that I had refurbished. I've used it for both tequila shots at parties or just listening to podcasts in. So it's been multifunctional. Wait, how do you do tequila shots off of a barbershop chair? Well, it's like chair. an electric chair. Like you hold it back and then it just goes like that. Okay, got it. So, so, it's, so it's an accessory. You don't actually get your haircut in it. No, but that would be cool. I should do that. Okay. So that was completely unrelated, but I was curious about, about that chair. Um, in terms of the, the market, you were uh, saying, actually, I'm curious. So I, I, I've paid attention to Real Vision before when I was getting into, well, re-getting into crypto. I was in crypto or like early on, but it, at that point in time, I don't think there was the perspective, like there wasn't like institutional investors really participating and it felt like way more of a ide idealistic thing and a political ideology associated with it. And a lot of the people that I spoke with were kind of on the fringes of, uh, I would say, even say society uh, <laughs> when, when, when I would speak there. Um, it, but it, so now it's evolved to a point where like we actually have patterns that have emerged and some of the stuff that you were talking about with crypto being a uh, a leading indicator for the markets. Some of the things that I've been seeing actually have been uh, sort of indicate that like the real estate market, everyone's been saying the real estate market is going to crash. The real estate market is going to crash. Although now I, everything I read always ends up like adjusting. But at one point they're going to say it's a hard bot, a hard landing. Then they say, ah, well, it's going to be a soft landing, which makes me a little bit skeptical of kind of like, um, some of the, the, the future direction that, that people have. First question, when you say we have indicators that see the market bottoming, does that just mean that you saw it tick up and therefore must be a bottom? Or, or, or like, how do you end up like, how do you internally like quantify that? Like, what, what, what does that even mean in, in your mind when you end up looking at that? And how do you end up making investment decisions based on that? It sounds like you bought ETH in this case. Are you now like fully back in the market? Are you? Well, I never you... got. I never got out. I just because I learned over time that the best strategy is have a long term time horizon, and then when these kind of business cycle troughs, you know, in uh, you know in crypto they're 80 percent down move, yeah. but they're in that long term uptrend, right? And the yeah. magic is to add to your positions every time it hits the long term uptrend, and everybody hates it, right? That's yeah. really where you make all of the money. Um, so. What we saw, what we do is we look at these indicators with a year-on-year -year rate of change. And what you're looking for is liquidity to stop going down. And then it starts ticking up and maybe it crosses through zero or not that, but just on its way up, usually that's the signal that liquidity is bottom. And you look, it's probabilistic. So it's not always 100% certainty, but it's like, listen, the price has collapsed. All the worst news in the world is out. Everybody hates each other on Twitter. You know, everybody's sure. Everyone thinks everything's going to go bust since the end of the world. That's usually a good time. And if the liquidity indicators are saying, hey, listen, the absolute worst is now behind us. Also, it's really interesting because a lot of people get caught with present day conditions, their narrative, and then saying, well, why is the price not lower? Particularly like in the stock market right now. People are like, why isn't it lower? There's going to be a recession or whatever. It was all priced in last year. I mean, we had a seven, an 80% bear market in crypto plus. 
I mean, if that wasn't a recession, then I've no idea what is. The Nasdaq was down 35%. You know, that's a recession. That's a regular kind of recession in the Nasdaq. So it all happened last year because markets are forward-looking. They could see what was going on. They could see that the Fed jacking up rates at the fastest pace in history was going to cause an economic slowdown. Now, so it actually doesn't matter if we get a hard landing, soft landing. That was all last year's game. This year's game is how much liquidity comes into the system, even without liquidity, as long as the Fed are not just, if they if they just take their foot off the beach ball that's underwater, it's going to burst out because these things are in secular uptrends. Both crypto and technology stocks are in the secular uptrend. So as soon as you kind of stop the rate of change of rate rises, it all goes up. I love that insight. I mean, last year, when you talk about crypto selling off Facebook, you know, Meta stock sold off as if it was a crypto asset. It's 5x from the bottom here. Um, and, and yes, I, I love hearing your, the way you think about markets being forward looking. When I think about crypto specifically, if I recall from previous interviews I saw with you, you mentioned that you sold Bitcoin in the you know 1718 cycle when they started forking it. That was what scared you away at that time, if I recall correctly. Then uh, you were in on Bitcoin, but you made the switch to ETH in the previous cycle. Right now, are you still, you know, a, a giga ETH bull and not so focused on Bitcoin? Are you looking at other assets like Solana or Avalanche or anything else? I'd love to know your crypto-specific thesis. Yeah, so I'm chain agnostic. What we're trying to do here is, look, I'm not Web3 or crypto agnostic. You know, I'm a passionate believer and want to educate people and help people understand that journey and help institutional investors to corporations to anybody use this technology. Because, you know, we all passionately believe in why. But at my level, I want to make money out of it too, right? It's this magic thing where you can kind of help change the world and also make money at the same time. So all I do is just look at a couple of things. One is I use Metcalfe's law, which is like how you value networks. And it sounds like it's very fancy, but really it's some proxy of number of active addresses and the value that gets transacted on that chain each week or each month. And you find that once you use a measurement like that, pretty much all of the chains are valued accurately versus that activity. So I look for that and you think, okay, well, what's got more adoption capability right now, Bitcoin or ETH? Now, Bitcoin's changed somewhat with ordinals and other stuff, right? But really, ETH is where everybody's building everything. Okay, and it's a, it's a large asset. So then I just look at the chart of the Bitcoin ETH cross, and, you know, this bear market, ETH did not sell off versus Bitcoin. You know, in the bigger picture, it's really been in this kind of wedge pattern that usually looks like it's another breakout to come. So that kind of makes fundamental sense to me because there's more activity on chain. And, um, and so I think price drives it. Now, um, I then started looking at other assets. And the one that I noticed got a lot of adoption, a lot of developers, a lot of activity was Solana. So I look at the Solana ETH cross and it's like, hell, that looks like it's break it's going to break out too. So my allocations are really something like 80% ETH, 20% Solana. Um, and there's you know other bits and pieces there here and there. But really, it's like it's a concentrated bet. I could change my mind if things change. I could be 100% Solana. I could be something else. But, you know, this bit, the kind of top middle to top tier is an easier trade than trying to find 
the next big thing. And I'm never going to make the 500x doing this, but but I'm, I'm unlikely to lose all my money. Um, <laughs> you know, if I look at the dust in my bags from the last cycle, where I tried to buy like a equally weighted basket of smaller stuff, I mean, all of that was a failure apart from very few things. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to focus on it. The other one that I'm actually focused on, I've mentioned this a few times before, I don't really have a, much of a position in it, but is Doge. And the reason being, it has a lot of owners, but no network effects, apart from memes. If Elon uses it, so right now, most people don't realize this because half of Twitter is, is American. We don't get payments from Twitter because we can't have Stripe here in the Cayman Islands. And that's true everywhere. So there's a whole bunch of people all around the world who use Twitter who can't get payments. How do you create a global payment system for everybody or just use an existing crypto? And he's Elon's made this very clear that he wants to use Doge. So if I can just instantly pay you in Doge for something via Twitter and you can convert it back into your currency of choice, kind of works. So I've got my eye on that because that, that could be a fun one. Um, but otherwise, I just try and stay away from all of the FOMO. You know, I've got a lot of friends of mine hitting me up about Pepe and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm just not going to do it because <laughs> as soon as I get into it, it's too late. You know, they got the bags in early. I think you're describing kind of a similar uh, thesis that a lot of us have shared on the on the show. Is literally, I, I mean, I've have, I have a Bitcoin. I've wanted to have a Bitcoin, and so I always had 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 uh, that. But um, that uh, basically, ETH, Sol. And Doge, were, so that like we have the really, I, I, yeah, it's it's basically the well. So we have uh, Easy who comes on our show often, and he does street interviews, and he'll go ask people. He's like, name a cryptocurrency, and they all say Dogecoin. So that's like the first thing everyone knows that. So when they want to go Brand buy, recognition, right? Yeah, they're gonna end up buying Dogecoin at some point. Like, and and uh, inevitably, it's like when their friend gets rich because. The price went up. Well, then, like more people, ape, like jump in and want to get uh, price action. I was going to ask one thing. It seems well, like well, Kia, you want. Well, just to real quick. Thing. I mean, I'm 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 blown away that literally Raul is, like talked about the three assets that we've talked about on the show recently, which is ETH. I mean, obviously we talk about ETH, but we started building on Solana a few months ago, and in that process and meeting people that are building on Solana, I was like, I kind of think that we need to start buying Solana. So I've been accumulating Solana, and then with Dogecoin, between what Nick just mentioned about the street interviews, um, to also like it just seems like the the normie crowd, you know, no disrespect, but the people that aren't crypto native are particularly interested in buying Doge. I remember last bull run, I was at a martial arts gym and one of the black belts was asking another guy when he should sell Dogecoin. And I was like, all right, well, this is some kind of indicator here. But anyway, Nick, go ahead. And then um, I also want to ask Raul after Nick asked this question about what's going on at Real Vision because I do think it's a really cool platform. Uh, and then I want to see if Spencer or Signal has any questions. But Nick, please go ahead. So, so the thing I was going to ask is, you said all the chains are valued uh, accurately because of the activity on chain. One thing we've been discussing, I'm curious, A, how do you measure that? B, how do you value that? But uh, the way that we were discussing it, we've been talking about, we have our own, it's not a coin, it's literally like it's a point system that exists on our website, but it's called Bones and that's the token that exists inside of it, but it's not a token, it's literally just the database entry in a, a database ledger. Um, but the the metric that I was looking at was turnover, velocity of money, essentially. Like how fast are we turning over 
money that's available inside of the ecosystem. And I went and uh, looked up the US rate of velocity of money. And I think it was something like 1.2 or 1.4 per quarter that you have basically all of the, the, the money supply turnover. Now, how they measure that, I think the real metric is like GDP relative to uh, money being tur turned over, but there's different ways of uh, measuring that. But when I went and looked at NFTs, for example, as a percentage of ETH, it was awful. Like the statistic, like the number was like all the NFTs sold accounted for like 5% of the total supply of ETH at this moment in time, or like 10% of all ETH in the system. And I was like, well, that's, that, that, that doesn't seem to be like a positive indicator. Like that just means it could mean, oh, we're early in the adoption cycle. It, there's a number of factors, but I'm curious, how do you measure that? And do you ever look at that velocity of money side or am I, am I, uh, am I crazy to be looking at that? Yeah, I think you are. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why, look, it's directionally right, right? The reason why is different chains trade different values. So XRP has quite a lot of throughput, but it's super low value. Mm. Much like layer twos, super low value, high throughput. Um, what you find is Bitcoin has larger transaction sizes. So there's more activity that's worth more money that's happening amongst more people, right? That's how I think about it. So, you know, it's got to be some sort of cleaned version of, of, of active wallets, whether you use the Masari one or whatever, you know, whichever one. And I don't think there's a pure mathematical formula, but we just multiplied one number by the other. That chart is exactly the same as, as the charts of the underlying chains. So that's really interesting to me. The one that started deviating was actually Ethereum, and it was after um, 1559 came and the burn started happening. Is suddenly it started trading at a premium because it's like a stock that's got a dividend as well. So there was an extra value to it. Um, and we've seen that pretty consistently with others that have similar types of mechanisms. So velocity of money is helpful. It shows that there's vibrancy on chain, but you can game it. It's really hard to game, you know, high values of transactions. And NFTs, what you're talking about tells me we should be near the bottom because the NFT total velocity of money or value transacted is terrible right now, right? Because if you think of the, the number of active addresses versus total addresses in crypto, that's like down 65%. So we've got like 118 million Coinbase wallets and 9 million actives. And then in NFT land, it's another leg lower than that, right? So what you've got is something that's like 90% discount to where activity is now. So if you get an increase back in activity, again, we will see money flow through into this area. So for me, it feels like it's really cheap and the, you, you always need some sort of crisis to cause it. And the blur farming crisis, I think, was the classic, plus a couple of fumbles by some of these NFT communities Azuki and stuff, it's like, okay, this gets interesting because it the the blur farming had created just this ongoing selling from one market maker to another market maker to another market maker to another market maker, and everybody was going lower. Now they all thought they were going to get compensated by the price of owning the blur token. My guess is they've all got a massive loss. And that'll be the end of that game. And that 
that's good because this is the kind of final flush. And I, you know, I, I joke with Ovi and Mando from Rec Guy. I'm like, you, you triggered this because the market they dumped all of those um, punk um, apes, apes, yep. I think, apes, apes yes. into a market using that liquidity, and that triggered a liquidity cascade that has not stopped yet, still ongoing, because there's no actual buyers around right now because nobody's got any money. Everyone's skint. Yeah, they made a good move for sure. Iconic move, ladies and gentlemen. If you're not uh, aware of it, the $9 million press a button board ape sale uh, through Blur. Nick? Real quick, I just wanted to say, and the only buyer in the market, we got him right here. Spencer Vassar's <laughs> right there, well, we everybody. Got, we he, to- he's, out, <laughs> he's, he's out buying NFTs. <laughs> protecting your bags doing doing it doing the service well spencer uh, it seems like you have a question for all then i do want to dig into real vision but uh, uh spencer go ahead please yeah no uh, <laughs> and you know it's 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 tough to be the only buyer but somebody's got to do it right? so, it's know. the right strategy <laughs> of course i have lots one might even argue irrational faith but <laughs> that's that's a, that's a question for another time um well you know i, I really love your your perspective on macro here. And I sort of have like two questions, right? So I think one thing that some people are pricing in is, um, you know, look, it seems like we we likely won't get significantly more rate hikes. That's kind of what a lot of people, it sounds like you were kind of agreeing with this take. But the thing that seems to me a lot more uncertain is the delta between, hey, we're pausing rate hikes and maybe we have see a line of sight in forward guidance to rates are actually coming down. And that's where I see the most disagreement among people who are smart about macro. And so I'm curious what your perspective is, right? Like there is a real scenario here where, hey, we just kind of keep rates for a year, two years, you know, maybe like, what do you think looking forward? Because, you know, for me, and, and this is where I, I maybe have a slight disagreement with something you said, which you were like, okay, as soon as we see rates pause, this is the real easing up. But I think to me, it's like, okay, as soon as we see rates pause, that's when the real question happens, which is when do we see rates potentially come down? How, how do you think that, that plays out in the next like year to two years? Yeah, so I've got quite a strong view on this that I think the Fed aren't stupid. They know all the forward-looking indicators. They know that growth is weak. They know that inflation, all the forward-looking indicators of inflation are falling. They know that rents are coming down. They know that unemployment is likely to rise. They know all of this. So then you've got to ask yourself, why are they so late? And my thesis is because they need inflation to undershoot. And the reason is, is because they need to get rates below trend rate of GDP, which is 1.75%, because they've got $6 trillion of interest payments to make, of, uh, bo- of bonds to roll plus new bonds to issue. All of that has historically ended up on the Fed balance sheet. So like the pandemic um, debt issuance was three and a half years ago. That is coming up for rolling. And I've proven that in this work called the Everything Code, that that seems to always end up on the on the balance sheet of the central bank. And that's consistent with the US, the UK, the EU, uh, Japan. I mean, pretty much everywhere is doing the same thing. There's like a, like there was a global accord on interest rates, which is why we're so cyclical. It kind of matches the Bitcoin halving because everything got reset to zero in 2008, right? All rates were cut to zero. It was like a debt jubilee. So my view is, and the work that we do at Global Macro Investors suggests that the economy keeps slowing, inflation really starts undershooting in the last quarter of this year. So I think there is a 
probability that they cut this year, which the market doesn't wow. want to believe yet. That's, and that's I an think strongly, thing. we're going into an election year. We're going to see, if you, if you remember, unemployment and inflation are really lagging indicators. Mm-hmm. So they lag by about nine months, most of the business cycle. And some of these things lag 18 months. So we're going to see wage inflation falling out until the end of 2024. And so that's going to make it look like core inflation is super low and the Fed have all the cover in the world to print as much money as they need going into an election. Um, And look, I think, so yeah, the probability is that, but the question is, is does it matter? So think of the beach ball. You take your foot off the beach ball. That's no, that's rate rises stopping. It comes straight out of the water because it's a secular trend. The speed and magnitude of that trend, do we get a gust of air underneath the beach ball to lift it up into the sky? That's the rate cuts and mainly QE. Mm -hmm. So either way, it does fine. Now, if you go back to this hypothesis and look at 2019, similar thing, the Fed paused uh, December 2018. Mm -hmm. Bitcoin was up 300% six months. Um, The NASDAQ screamed higher. We had the same in 2011 when the Fed paused. Um, Everything screamed higher. So I think, though, you can't stop the trend, but you can accelerate it. Very juicy. Go ahead, Spencer. Sorry, I just had a follow up there. So, you know, I'm kind of gaming through this scenario. And I I love your your sort of bullish end of your perspectives. I think that that's, you know, Kind of a well-reasoned argument. Um, one thing that I've been considering of, you know, you talked about where do NFTs fall in all of this and what's a leading and what's lagging to sort of macro. Uh, at least my view here is like, so ETH feels like pretty obviously correlated to S&P. Like if we have a big, although S&P recovered a little bit more, like percentage-wise up from the bottom, it's kind of, uh, you know, mixed, right? Like a, it's pretty correlated. It seems pretty obvious to me that if we have a rate pause and or a rate decrease, like we'll have, ETH run, right? That's, I think, not a diff- Now, my question is, and this is what I have a harder time thinking about, is what the impact on NFTs might be. Because historically, when we've seen significant ETH runs, we see NFTs sell off in ETH because everyone's like, oh man, ETH is running. Got to go catch my ETH run. So sell my NFTs, right? Do you think, like, where do you think this, like, how, how do you think that NFTs, you know, is, is a pause or decrease in interest rates like, long run bullish for nfts is it short run like how to think about that relationship yeah so i think that assets tend to lag by 12 to 18 months in any economy just because it's wealth effect that gets recycled right so nobody's making any money yet so so what we've got is we are 15 months behind eth making a low last year so okay we're in the zone so, you know, you buying NFTs right now is exactly in the right zone. We can never time it perfectly. And, you know, there's different assets. It's very complicated with NFTs. But generally speaking, have punks hit their low most likely? Was that, was that the flush out? And is that the benchmark? Is that like Bitcoin or ETH hitting its low? Probably. So that's how I think about it. They're lagged. So then we need to go into the future 18 months and say, okay, the action's not really going to happen for a while. So it should base come up a bit. And we've seen that with punks and some of these, they came up from the low. They'll probably stabilize for a while 
if ETH rips higher, which I think there's a very high chance it does, even into the year end, um, they won't participate. Obviously, ETH goes up, so you participate anyway. But you know the ETH call option uh, that NFTs have embedded in them. But the real action in NFTs is is later in 2024 and 2025, particularly when everyone's made a bunch of money in their bags and Solana's gone up, you know, 20x and they're all feeling clever and they all want to buy Fidenzas. We've seen that was also the other interesting point yeah. is we saw the generative high-end art market bottom and actually go up. And that's a signal as well. So that was flight to quality. So the flight to quality started to happen and we kind of rotate through the curve while kind of all of the less quality stuff has gone essentially to zero. Yeah, is, lo- you know, it, it, that's right. Yeah, I love the insight and and pointing out that, you know, not that doesn't mean every NFT is going to go up, right? You called out punks, you called out the high-end generative art market. Those are sort of the proven areas of NFTs, if there are any. Uh, I want to talk about Real Vision for a moment, which is your content platform. We've had uh, one of our NFT brothers, uh, I've seen make appearances there and do a great job, Sergio Silva, known as Sergito in the NFT space. So he's uh, made some great contributions there. I also remember in 2020, you had a trader on Real Vision. I don't remember the gentleman's name, but he called the commodities pump like on lumber and stuff and i just remember being blown away by that i was like wow i would have never thought to you know turn to that market but what's going on with real vision right now and maybe give some context because i do think a lot of our audience would appreciate it as a platform thank you yeah look real vision is the place like everybody here has watched real vision it's like it's a place where you come for high quality knowledge you get to learn and we interview we started nine years ago after the global financial crisis and the European crisis when the whole banking system, I was living in Spain at the time, we almost lost the entire banking system. That's when I started getting into crypto as well, 2012, 2013. But the idea was people are now on their own. You can't trust the advisor. You can't trust the banks. Who do you trust? You have to learn it yourself. And so there's been a big movement from Occupy Wall Street onwards to take back control of your own finances because everybody realizes they've been kind of screwed in this whole process. So Real Vision was the answer to that. We just wanted to democratize all of the knowledge. So we started all this long-form finance content. didn't exist before Real Vision. And we just interviewed the most famous hedge fund managers, analysts, strategists, and gave it to people. You know, it's a subscription-based business, and it kind of changed a lot of people's lives. And then, you know, we were, back in 2014 when we first launched, our first ever video was about crypto. Um, so it's been part of this thesis, all of these worlds combined. Um, and then as it's grown, we realized that what we've also built was a community because people who like Real Vision content, like you guys, tend to be like-minded, curious, open-minded, um, interested in how the world works and trying to figure it all out. So we've we found we've built a larger and larger community, and then we've been leaning into that at time. So now we're just building an entirely new platform, which is everything from, you know, pricing and charting and that stuff but we've also got ai that helps people explain so you guys aren't finance naturals but you'll be able to just find out what does reverse repo mean highlight it the ai will explain it to you if you just want a content summary it'll do that we've got that and we've also created this incredible network map of all real vision members around the world so you can connect with anybody in this cool visual not like a discord which goes like this but you can go and find where everybody is so let's say you're on a trip to paris you're like, well, who's in the Real Vision community in Paris I can have a drink with? And you can kind of see them and then chat to them and stuff like that. And around all of that, you know, 
I've had this core thesis that Web3 is the future of a lot of this. So we've had NFT communities for a while. So we had the um, Genesis NFT that was a, was free with the pro crypto subscriptions. And that's had held good value over time because it's really that our Genesis and they've had a lot of perks for doing that. Then we thought, I've been, you know, if you look at my Twitter PFP, it's a mashup between my board ape and my ex uh, my ex copy and my Damien Hurst. Um, no, just with the ex copy on that one. And because I wanted to show after crypto, where it's so tribal, Web3 is less tribal, right? The NFT world's less tribal. It's a kind of nicer, better spirited place. I want to show that all these communities are together because we're doing something bigger here. Yeah, this movement to Web3 is something bigger. And we lent into that with a, a NFT project called the Real Vision Collective, where we bought all art from different projects, even got rights from Damien Hurst to use his, to mash these things together, make unique art, to say, listen, here's a place where anybody in the Web3 community, whatever projects they're involved in, whatever they like, can come together, learn together, exchange ideas, and get a bunch of perks. So it's like a membership NFT with cool art um, and a whole bunch of perks. Those season one came with Real Vision subscriptions for five years and all sorts of stuff. Because again, we want to educate, help, and bring people together. So our view at Real Vision is knowledge times tools times network is your best chance of success. Well, it is success. So we, we leverage into that. And we're just actually right now finishes today we're just minting season two but you'll like this because season two again is another mashup it's a cool mashup i mean who have we got in this one we got crypto dick butts obviously and a whole bunch of cco stuff <coughs> but the magic of this one is not only joining the community and the discords and soon as we launch our new platform be token gated content and token gated areas and stuff is i want to have a bit of a joke because everybody knows that i bought eth call options at the peak um in 2021 and uh, that bet went wrong, and I spent 5% of my bag on ETH call options, and they went to zero. And I always say that NFTs are also a call option on ETH. You know, if you get punks right now, and they triple, and ETH triples, you've made a ridiculous leverage about money. So we thought, well, why don't we lean into this? So 5% of all of the proceeds of the NFT buys ETH 3,000 calls for year-end. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> and then it gets and then it gets given away in some sort of grand prize. So there'll be somebody who gets like fifty percent of it. Now you know if we sold all nine thousand NFTs, you know that thing could be if eats at four thousand by year end, which is possible. That thing's worth over a million bucks, and so that becomes just a a fun game that everybody plays. Is what's the price of ETH, and am I going to get selected in the prize giveaway? And it's also just to educate people about how how these things work. So, yeah, there it is. And um, what we're going to do is I think we're going to stop at 5,000 and then burn the rest to maintain the value. So there's there's not that many coming. Um, and that finishes today. But it, it's fun and it's an amazing community. And then you get part of the whole Real Vision engine of stuff that goes along with it. Real cool to so see. realvision.com forward slash collective for anybody who's, who's interested. 
realvision.com slash collective, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, yeah, it's interesting to integrate Web3 with the subscription-based content service. A lot of people have kind of talked about doing it, but we haven't really seen that many examples of it. So it's cool to see. I'm assuming it's, it's gone well. Yeah, it's, it's gone great. Everyone's still trying to figure out the business model of a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it's complicated with subscriptions versus one-off payments. But we've also got a lot of other experiments to come, what we can do, how we can integrate digital ID, how we can do all, all sorts of things. So we've got a kind of ambitious roadmap to how we can integrate Web3 and not make it that it's all about Web3. What we've got to, as crypto natives, if we want adoption, we need to abstract this stuff away. Um, you know, you can't use a MetaMask wallet and get some person who's been in macro for 20 years or traditional markets and expect them to go through that pain and then screw it up and lose everything. It's just like, no, we've got to abstract away. So I'm really thinking about that. How can we lead the way here and show different ways of doing it? I think Reddit have done about the best job of anybody which never gets talked about in the NFT community. They've launched not only a token, which nobody's managed to do that hasn't gone to zero because all the money leaves the ecosystem, and they've managed to launch a massive scale of NFTs without making it all about the price. Yeah, I mean, well, well you just said it right there. I, I was just going to say, and I know I want to throw it to Nick, and I think Signal might have a question too, but the reason I agree with you about everything that you said about Reddit, and it doesn't get attention in the NFT space, like you said, because there isn't this humongous price attached. Like, basically, if you want to know what's getting the most attention in the NFT space, just look at the highest price items. That's, you know, what whatever has the most liquidity, whatever has the highest price, that's what gets talked about, no matter what the circumstance. Nick, you were going to ask Raul something? No, I was just going to comment on the thing that he was saying with Reddit that we use uh, that as inspiration. We have our own NFT platform, which is free. There's no, you don't even need a wallet to connect, actually, which is how Reddit uh, initially, you can move things into your wallet. Uh, in our system, the majority of them are not, but it is all, it's essentially custodial NFTs. So you can go claim them for free. Um, there's no trading of it right now. Um, inevitably, some of that will eventually. Um, show up, but we have in-house artists that end up making the art, and we have almost a million NFTs collected in the past few months on the on the platform. And I think, like, a no one no one pays attention to it, uh, but that's all good because we have uh, a bunch of people who who interact on the platform. Um, but the uh, the the future of all this, you know, I look at something like D Gods and some of the things that are going on right now in the space, and it's just like. The future of this is not about $50,000 priced assets, although that does exist. But like before the, the uh, COVID, after the trough, and then the boom uh, followed, basically, none of us were talking about like, I wasn't collecting art. Like that just wasn't like, that wasn't part of my life. Like that wasn't even like a thing. Yet now suddenly everyone's just like renowned art collectors all of a sudden. But like in general, that's not like a conversation of the masses that people are talking about what antique item you just purchased or something. And so that's like a very limited subset of society, which is even focused about on that. Yet uh, the conversation spread into the masses, which is awesome. Uh, and I think that's just because of the digital overlap that exists there where you have mobile app adoption or mobile adoption and and. Uh, accessibility of these things and and you can interact with it whereas with like if you if, I, I can't interact with uh you know uh my rich uncle's uh painting 
Like that's just not something that, that, that I'm engaged with. So cool. That part's awesome. But we haven't seen, I think Top Shot was really the only like. I think Top Shot and the one that nobody knows about is Ticketmaster. They've issued more NFTs than anybody in the world. Ticketmaster has issued more. Yeah. Okay. I Last time I checked, it was... it was 14 million NFTs. Wow. Okay. And what they've done is basically you go to a sporting event, you go to an Elton John concert or whatever, their wallet, where you, because all of Ticketmaster's stuff now is all, you have a Ticketmaster wallet. Without telling you, it's a Web3 wallet. So what they do is they drop in to your wallet a memento of the Elton John concert or the Dallas Cowboys game you went to mm -hmm. without the expectation of people trading them. Some will, they'll get scarcity and stuff once people figure this out, but they've been doing this at scale for a while. I think it's really interesting, which is kind of like top shops, but a different way. Top shops was like, you buy your moment. This is you went to an event and here's a memento. And I think of it that way. Cause I'm a massive music fan and I, I'm old enough to have gone to Live Aid back in 1985, and I've still got my program, and it's framed on my wall because it's an I was there, right? It was like a humanity scale one point in time, and so I kept it. NFTs are going to be involved in so many things that people don't understand yet because we're all focused on, oh, you know, what's the next Fidenza or is what's the next Ape or what's the next whatever. That's mainly a distraction to really the NFT technology. It's just the fun we're having as we're trying to figure this stuff out. Where do you get the stats on how many NFTs are issued by Ticketmaster? Spoke to them. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Right from the horse's mouth. Uh, Signal, looked like you had a question for Raul. Yeah, Raul, I was going to say, uh, I really wish Real Vision existed when I was at university or just out because it would have saved me from reading Hulls, options, futures, and derivatives over and over again. And I could have just asked the community. So, I know, it's uh, so I think much it's a great easier. Up to that you're building. Yeah, it's so much easier. Um, I was going to ask, like earlier on, you mentioned that liquidity indicators are potentially uh, a signal of what can you know happen in the future. There's been so much attention uh, on BTC ETFs, uh, ETH ETFs coming from institutions like BlackRock. We've seen obviously that investment banks over the last five to eight years have stepped into crypto, stepped out of crypto. How much of a catalyst event do you think these BTC uh, ETH ETFs really are? So the biggest catalyst event of all is just price rising. You know, everybody's FOMO, right? So my work, because I've got an asset management firm called Exponential Age Asset Management, we invest in crypto hedge funds, which is another way to fund of funds. So it's another way institutions can get in. So my speaking to institutions is like, they've all done the work. You know, I've known about BlackRock, Apollo, all of these guys for three years now. I mean, they've all been ready, but they've been waiting for this turn. So I think, let's say we might get the ARC one through today, or it might happen on Monday. There's a possibility that it goes through. People, everyone's saying, no, it's not going to be the ARC one. We'll have to wait for the for the BlackRock one. But look, there's a possibility that happens today, which should take everybody by surprise. What does that enable? That enables, well, the kind of average millennial buyer of crypto is already a Coinbase user, stuff like that. So it's not going to bring them in. It's going to bring in the boomers and the RIAs who use boomer assets. So right now, crypto's well, up between 50 and 80% this year. Um, 
So it's attractive. It's done better than every other asset. But really, if it triggers a price rise, it will trigger a stampede. And we've seen these points in time where it just sucks in a bunch of people. But the narrative's been pretty bad around it still. So if you think of the normie baby boomer whose RIA is advising him, he's still in the FTX is a scam, everything's terrible phase. So we've got to get through the other side of that. And I think it's price that does it. So I don't think it's the biggest price event yet, but it will definitely see capital flowing into the space um, over time. So it, it drives the next wave of adoption. Now, what's weird is we won't be able to use number of active addresses for wallets because there's these massive aggregator wallets, which would be these ETFs. So it's going to get a little more complicated to understand the space. Um, so I think that all of the investment banks are working on this. They want to offer it to the clients. The regulators have made it too complicated for them to do so, but they are ready. They're all working on blockchain technology to issue securities and do a whole bunch of stuff, derivatives, everything. We've got the asset management firms who've all done the work on it. Most of them did some VC investing in the space, um, and they've kind of got clarity to do this, but they're just waiting to not get fired, so they need the price to start going up. Um, then we've got the RAAs who've dabbled in the space, but now they'll have a vehicle because the grayscale trust really hurt a lot of investors for the RAAs. Um, so we've kind of got all the component parts in place, plus the liquidity component, because people to invest need to have some bloody money and nobody's got any money still. Right? Everybody's kind of liquidity up to here because if you were a, a VC-style longer time horizon investor, your money's tied up, you haven't got any capital gains, you've had no exits from anything, and the average investor and the average fund manager hasn't participated in this massive NASDAQ rally. So they're all watching it. Nobody's made money yet. So that cycle is yet to come. So that's why... Back end of the year, I'm pretty interested, which is why I like this 3,000 strike ETH call option, because I think there's a probability it gets there. Um, but, you know, it's all to play for for 2024. Well, that uh, for 2024 when uh, velocity of crypto turnover is going to be the metric that you're looking at. OK, <laughs> Nick, Nick, stop shilling your your metrics on, on Raul. Uh, I love that sweepstakes model, Raul, because I feel like it's something that are, if it seems like you understand the space because that is something that people in the space, I'd imagine, would really appreciate. Also love what you mentioned about VCs. VCs deployed all their capital in late 2021, it seems. People told us that we had a bad deck and we still raised seven figures at that time. And I just think about right now, I'm like, we couldn't do that right now with a with a deck that everyone said was universally not that great. Um, one thing, and, and I know we're limited on time. Uh, you have well, to- speak for yourself, Pia. Okay? <laughs> I'm still closing the deal. All N right? What Nick is the fundraiser extraordinaire. Anyway, um, I, I know you have to jump in a moment. Just one thing I wanted to cover is you talked about the comparison between like, you know, Ethereum and NFTs versus stocks and real estate. And I think real estate is a subject a lot of consumers are interested in. A lot of our audience is interested in. Everyone says the real estate market's going to crash. It's going to uh, crash. It's certainly slowed. But what are you seeing with real estate? Where do you think it goes and how closely are you paying attention to it? So we, we think that year on year rate of change of real estate kind of bottomed. Prices, you know, at the beginning of this, we thought prices will ease off somewhat, but they won't go down a lot. So our, our guess was 10% from peak to trough. And it's looking like it's going to be somewhere like this, because I don't think this is a catastrophic recession. It's more like the recession that none of you guys will remember, which was 1990, which was like, it was just a recession. Prices went down, things sucked. Everyone's, no houses traded for a while, which is what's happening now, right? Just house prices aren't trading. 
because nobody can take out a mortgage with interest rates this high. You know, all of that stuff. So everything's gone illiquid. It's kind of like the NFT market. It's gone illiquid. Prices get marked down. Not a lot going on. But the, we've still got this ongoing demand of anybody who's a millennial who's getting, you know, because everybody's in there kind of hitting 35. They're at point where they're settling down and thinking, I need to buy a house. So it's keeping a flo floor under house prices anywhere. Yeah. Some others, well, before, like the kind of boomer houses that were out in the countryside were trading for nothing because nobody wanted them because everyone was working in a city. That whole thing's changed now. You know, suddenly Hudson River Valley is like the place everybody wants to go. And people are moving out to rural New Jersey to buy five bedroom houses for the price of, you know, a shoebox in New York City. So the structure of the market's changing. So I, I'm not wildly negative. Commercial real estate is totally fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, on a different podcast that we have, uh, we talked to someone about his, he, he called it a bubble. He said commercial real estate is basically a bubble at this point. Um, and he was talking about all, all different factors and, and the issues that exist there. Spencer, did you have a question here? Or? Oh, no, I just, I just want to hop in on this. That one thing that I thought was really interesting about commercial real estate. Um, so I talked to a friend of mine who's a big like real estate investor. And I was like, you know, it just, it strikes me that you could just flip it all to residential, right? Like, you know, and they're like, no, no, no. Like it's actually the, the, the cost to convert uh, commercial real estate to residential is like, like 10x higher than you think it would be and often is like cost prohibitive. And, and that's always been something that I guess I was wrong in making assumptions about was that like the ease of flipping it. And, and, and so commercial real estate, I agree with you, is like has these giant headwinds. And that, so that, again, play it out in macro land. What we do in macro land is what are the knock-on effects? So commercial real estate, bad. All of that's on the books of the regional banks. The regional banks are troublesome anyway with the yield curve and rates. So what does that lead to? More cowbell. All of those assets are going to have to end up on the bank, on the central bank balance sheet. So there's no way around that except more cowbell. So... Again, that's that's the that's that that's how you think in Macri. You have to go step, step, step. Never look at today. L love the quote, Nick. More more cowbell being print more money. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> love it. Well, look, Raul, we really appreciate you joining us. What was the link for Real Vision and and any closing thoughts on you know Real Vision or anything that you have going on that you'd like to let the audience know? Yeah, look, if you're curious in the space, a lot of people have come into Web three and didn't know about finance. Have had to learn the hard way that macro matters. Real Vision, we've actually currently got, um, just as we're rolling out the new platform, we're about to close the doors on new subscriptions for a while while we just uh, integrate the new platform. But if you go to, I think it's realvision.com forward slash last chance, we've got this crazy deal. It's like $20 for, for three months just to get in the door, get learning. It will help you. As you've heard our conversations here, these worlds are the same world. We have to stop pretending they're, they're different worlds. They're the same world. Um, and then if you're interested in being part of the community, the other way is realvision.com forward slash collective and get involved with the NFTs and get involved in the game of the call option on ETH because it's going to be a lot of fun. If ETH is like at 3,000 by like beginning of December, it's it's game on, right? So it's just fun and it's a great community. It really is vibrant. That's that, I mean, that's a juicy uh, contest. So ladies and gentlemen, it, it was... And it's cheap as well. It's only like 0 0.069 ETH. So. 
Yeah, nothing NFT people aren't used to paying. Let's be real. That's uh, that's definitely right in the pocket there. Uh, well, look, Raul, we really appreciate you having. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Raul Paul of Real Vision. This was not a sponsored spot. This was just uh, you know someone that we're really excited about bringing on the show as a as an honored guest, someone that had a big impact on my personal Bitcoin and crypto journey. So thanks so much for joining, Raul. Really, we really yeah, appreciate. But, you it. know, I love this. I think we should all do more of this is just merge all our communities, get everybody involved, because together we're better. And that's what I love about Web3. We're not tribal. And so, you know, the more we do together, the better it is for everyone. 100%. Couldn't agree more. Uh, check out the two links. I'm sure Clemente has them on the screen here with the banner. It's realvision.com slash last chance for the deal for the three months for $20. Then there's realvision.com slash collective for uh, the mint that's closing today. Uh, look, ladies and gentlemen, if it's your first time listening, we do the show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern time. You can find Raul on several other much bigger podcasts, but uh, everybody knows this is the best one. One more thank you to Raul. Thanks so much for joining. Uh, we're ready to wrap. And, and ladies and gentlemen, check out the show on YouTube, Twitter Spaces, audio podcast uh, on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back on Monday. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And make sure you check out you know, all things uh, Real Vision if you're interested in really taking the market by the horns. We will catch you next time. Thanks for listening.